Welcome to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. I am Leah Heigl and I'm here with my co-host Aidan Muir and today we'll be discussing the reasons why you might feel better after ditching gluten. So gluten is a type of protein found naturally in wheat, rye and barley. Generally, I feel like gluten gets a really bad rap for not too much of a good reason outside of celiac disease, but in my experience, I've also had clients who don't have celiac disease, have gone gluten-free and report that symptoms have reduced or they're just feeling better. So even outside of something that is clearly obviously associated with gluten intake being celiac disease, there are obviously other factors and other reasons why someone might feel better after reducing gluten uh, or wheat products from their diet. Um, An interesting statistic is that the 2016 Australian Dietary Survey reported that 12% of their respondents were actually avoiding either wheat or gluten. So 2016 was a while ago now, so I'm sure things have changed, but 12% is a good chunk of the population um, when we're thinking just avoiding a certain type of food. So I think there's a reason why people are opting to go gluten-free. I don't think there's absolutely no merit to it. So that's what we're going to go through today. Yeah, and even as you're saying, like 2016 being a long time ago, like have you ever seen like clips of people like going up to people on the street being like, oh, do you avoid gluten? And then they say yes, and they're like, do you know what gluten you know? is? <laughs> yes. like, like, I feel like awareness of gluten's actually grown so much, like, since, like, me seeing those clips years ago. Like, I think it's yeah. more well-known, but I don't know. I'm in a bubble. Like, talk about nutrition all the time. I feel like we are in a bubble where we see more of that evidence-based nutrition yeah. stuff. But if you go into, like, I mean, I always think of the Kardashians when yeah. I think of gluten and, like, that clip. And that's what some people know of gluten. Yeah. So we want to expand on it a bit more. Yeah. So I guess the first place to start is to start with the obvious one, like, why would somebody feel better after avoiding gluten? Like the obvious one is like celiac disease and wheat allergies. They're not the only things, but we're starting there with the obvious one. So celiac disease is an autoimmune condition. Wheat allergy is an IgE mediated response to gliadins in wheat. Both of them are pretty serious. Both of them are no brainers to stop having gluten or wheat in that case. Um, I'm actually pretty big on checking these first. Like if you notice you get Mm. symptoms from wheat or from gluten, I really like ruling this out first for two reasons. One is if you have either of these, you really want to know that you have them. Like wheat allergy, like an allergy, it's obvious, but like with with celiac disease, even small amounts, you're doing some form of damage to yourself, Um, whether that's just inflammation in your bowels or whether it's increasing risk of bowel cancer, osteoporosis, iron deficiency. Like there's so many factors from even a small amount. But the second thing is it's like, it's hard to test for celiac disease after you've taken it out. Like you have yes. to do like a gluten challenge. So like the first time you identify, it's like, check this first. The, the percentages are quite low on these. Like celiac disease, I think it's about 1.5% of the population. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is not me being like, oh, I think this is the reason. Like it's actually a lower percentage play, but it's just more important to check this before looking at other stuff, if that makes sense. And before you take it out, exactly. <laughs> just do that first. Do that first. Because it's so much harder. Because if you take it out and you do get improvements, it sucks putting it back in just to test and just to be sure. But it's also quite important to do that because if you're not sure, you might just have some gluten occasionally because you're like, oh, I, I don't know if I've got celiac disease. And like, I say this, but like I have had a lot of clients with that experience where they're mm. like, oh, I mostly avoid it, but like if it's really inconvenient, I'll have it. Yeah, even like the cross-contamination stuff. Like if yeah. you only think you have celiac disease, but you've never been confirmed and tested, you probably won't go to the point where you're avoiding cross-contamination. But we know people with celiac disease should avoid cross-contamination. Yeah, 
And like, that's where I've got a lot of empathy because I'm like, I can see how somebody would be in that position. But that's also, I'm like, you would want to test this ASAP just to like confirm. Yeah. So the next one we'll talk about is one of the more common reasons, I suppose, why people feel decent after taking gluten or wheat products out of their diet in general. And that's the crossover between something called fructans um, and, and gluten and wheat products. So fructans are a FODMAP. So they're a type of carbohydrate found in wheat products, but as well as other foods like onion and garlic and and a few other bits and pieces. Um, But they are found in wheat products and they're a fermentable carbohydrate that can be hard to digest for some people with IBS or sensitive tummies that are particularly sensitive to that FODMAP. Um, So when people remove wheat from their diet, they may inadvertently be reducing their overall fructan consumption and then that could be reducing IBS-like symptoms. So in regards to the research, like actually I don't have any numbers on me, but in terms of people that think they have like what we'll talk about next in terms of non-celiac gluten sensitivity um, versus just an IBS intolerance to fructans, it's usually an IBS intolerance to fructans. Um, So I think that's one that is definitely the case uh, a lot of the time when there's pretty bad IBS symptoms, someone takes out gluten and that's drastically improved if it is not the two previous things we spoke about. Yeah, the number I go with is from research from like many, many years ago, but there was was something about like 13.7% of people seem to identify IBS type issues coming from fructan slash gluten. And that's quite interesting in terms of how closely it lines up with that. Like, what was it like 12% you said earlier of people like avoiding wheat slash gluten? Like the numbers line up very closely. Um, But I guess that does lead into the next topic in terms of like, Non-celiac gluten sensitivity could be a reason why somebody would take it out. But it is that kind of thing you talked about being like, I'm actually, based on the research of the opinion that the vast majority of identified non-celiac gluten sensitivity is related to fructans. Mm-hmm. But the one, one of two barriers there is that that only explains IBS symptoms. What if somebody gets other, other symptoms? Like, And I guess like that's a broad topic. We'll go through it straight away. But it's like... Other symptoms could be things like headaches, fatigue, brain fog, heartburn, joint pain, like muscle pain, itchiness, rashes, dermatitis, all of those kind of things. Um, There's all the non-gut related symptoms that can't be fructans. And then there's also the potential for overlap being like, okay, well, maybe non-celiac gluten sensitivity could cause IBS symptoms as well. And it's not fructans in that case. And there's a study I don't have in front of me once again, but it's kind of like... um, they gave people fructan-containing muesli bars. They gave them gluten-containing muesli bars without fructans. And then they gave like a placebo, like a muesli bar that had neither gluten or fructans. And they measured their IBS symptoms. Obviously, there's flaws in this study. But most of the people who, because they all had to self-identify as non-celiac um, gluten sensitivity, um, they the majority got symptoms from the fructans. And a very small minority still got symptoms from the gluten without the fructans. And that's really interesting in terms of like, because the sample size is quite small, it doesn't really tell us anything firmly, but it's like, okay, well, that's that's still something worth being aware of. It adds a piece to the puzzle being like, that could also be an explanation. But one of the other issues with this area and why it's so murky is there's no diagnostic criteria for mm. um, non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So it's a murky area. My current sense is I'm like, no, oh, I think it's a thing. Like, I think it's a thing. Yeah. But it's far less prevalent than the other things. It's less serious than celiac disease. It's less prevalent than fructans. But 
it's still probably a thing, but I, yeah, that's, that's my current stance. Yeah. And I mean, generally, even though there's no way to kind of confirm that someone does have that condition, I think if you're, if you've tested the first stuff we talked about and you still just generally, that all came back negative and you still generally feel better or reduce symptoms without wheat products, that just makes sense to continue it, right? Yeah, and that, I guess that's the other point where it's like there's heaps of people that come to me and will say like non-celiac gluten sensitivity and I'm like, oh, I'll hear them. I'm like, oh, I think it's actually it's fructans. But it's like we're not going to have that conversation early on because it's like it doesn't matter. Like either way, like yeah, like either way, they're hand in hand. They're both in wheat. Yeah. <laughs> you take – and like they're in more stuff. Like gluten technically is in more stuff. But like going low gluten or going low fructans is pretty much the same thing and causes the same outcome. Yeah, 100%. So another aspect of this, I guess this can be, uh, we can talk about this in regards to IBS symptoms. It can be other symptoms you might be experiencing that are not the non-IBS stuff, the non-gut stuff. Um, But even in regards to weight loss and, and all the other reasons that someone might be changing their diet, taking out gluten, to, to you know, have, a, have a certain outcome is that you can just generally improve the quality of your diet around that taking out the gluten change. I find when people want to a specific outcome and they're changing their diet, they usually change more than one thing. So if you have ditched gluten and wheat products generally, but you've also increased fruit and veg and reduced alcohol consumption, started exercising and eating less takeout, and that results in weight loss or feeling generally better, more energy, whatever it might be, it could be more related to the fact you've improved the quality of your diet overall than the removal of gluten or wheat alone. So that's always something to consider. Yeah. And any, like, firstly, like wheat, carbohydrates, people talk about that. Like if you reduce carbs, you're probably going to reduce calories. But like the other thing is like any dietary change, like if you add anything that's like exclusionary in any way, like you've got to avoid something, it limits your options. Yes. Like even the first option that popped into my mind is like if you go to Macca's, you can no longer get a burger. Like you can no longer like Makes you're take out there. harder. You yeah. can't have that muffin yeah. on your way home from work. Like, yeah, yeah it, it limits you quite a bit. And then that probably leads to other decisions that you have to make. Like do you now have to cook more frequently? Do you not get that thing on the way home? Like it, it plays a role in so many factors. Totally. And then the final one, like um, it could be a placebo effect. Like that's not me saying – that's what I think it is like, cause it's not, I'm just like, I'm like, we're trying to cover all options. And like, there is a possibility that that is a thing that could potentially happen. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do that make us feel better. And we, or we expect to make us feel better. And then we do feel better or less. So all I'm saying with that is like, that is a possibility. We've listed like five, or s- five different kind of ways it can make you feel better. That is one of the five. And that is a potential factor as well. So I don't think there's any doubt that there's, There is merit in ditching wheat or gluten-containing products outside of celiac disease and wheat allergy, particularly in terms of limiting your fructan intake in regards to limiting wheat products might help. Or when we talked about non-celiac gluten sensitivity, that might be something that you can relate to. Um, Or it might you know, be more related to generally changing your diet. Uh, But yeah, I think think just writing it off as uh, if you're not celiac, you shouldn't avoid gluten or wheat products. It's probably oversimplifying it a little bit. Yeah. I can totally see why some people are going to want to not eat wheat or gluten and and find they have improved symptoms in, in some regard. And you can have a healthy diet without it. So I think it's not a big deal. 
Yeah, for sure. And like even just from the perspective of that 13% of the population likely getting symptoms, it's like that's a pretty large percentage of the population. Yeah. Like that's like yeah. enough. Yeah, and I don't know. If you identify yourself as having symptoms, like there's a highly likely, like it's no longer 13%. If you identify you're having symptoms, it's probably going to be about 50% of that stage, like yeah. of those people. So yeah, food for thought. Anyway, so this has been episode 56 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. As always, if you could please leave a rating review if you have not already, we would greatly appreciate that. But apart from that, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.